Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and today, for our first episode, we're joined by Reverend Dr. Kevin Adams, our senior pastor here at Grand Springs Church. If you know Kevin, you know there's no way we could conceivably have launched a project like this about the Psalms without starting with him. And so it is a great thing that he agreed to come and join me for this conversation. Kevin has written 150, Finding Your Story in the Psalms. And if you've spent any time at Granite Springs, you know that because of his love for the Psalms and the love of the Psalms of many people around here, they've become deeply infused in what we do. Perhaps most impressively to me is that Kevin has internalized these psalms, committed many of them to memory. We won't quiz him in the episode today, but it will be a great conversation. So here is Kevin reading Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man, blessed is the woman, who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, They delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his law day and night. They are like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous." but the way of the wicked will be destroyed. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. Matt, it's great to be here. It's always great to be with you, and it's really great to be here. The inaugural episode. I'm so honored. I can't begin to tell you. <laughs> the honor The honor is all ours. The honor is all ours. Hey, on the podcast, we're going to ask the same three questions of each psalm as just a simple way to both access the psalms and for us to share some reflections, but also as a way uh, to help all of us practice reading the Bible. Sometimes I think when when it comes to reading scripture, we tend to think the questions we have to know the answers to have to be very technical, or we have to sort of, you know, have five commentaries open. And that's one way to read the Bible. But another way to read scripture is just to pay attention and to ask questions and to be reflective about what it means for us and The questions that we ask are going to be quite simple. They're just, what stood out to you in reading this psalm? What do we learn about God from this psalm? And how does this psalm help us to pray? So that's where we're going, setting the roadmap for the inaugural episode and then for future episodes as well. But maybe we can dive into Psalm 1 with this opening question. Kevin, what stands out to you when you read Psalm 1? Well, I love Psalm 1 because it's number one. It sets, how's that for something deep and profound? I like it that. sets the course. In some ways, uh, we're going to get to praying Psalm 1 in a little bit, but in some ways, Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are not prayers in the same way that Psalm 3 through 150 are. They're kind of two uh, gates, if you will, or uh, two pillars holding mm-hmm. up one gate, maybe, that orient us to the Psalms. So they're going to set a direction and a contrast between the righteous and the unrighteous life, the wicked and the righteous life. 
and they're going to set us on a trajectory that will give us the whole anatomy of the human soul, as John Calvin said and Athanasius before him. We'll hear our pitfalls, we'll hear our glories, we'll hear people cheating, we'll hear people despised, we'll hear people crying out, we'll hear people lamenting, mm -hmm. and we're going to end with Psalm 150 where everybody rejoices. So we're going to get to heaven, so to speak, where everybody's there is no tears and there is no crying and there is no dying. But someone orients us to the two choices we keep having. It's not a one-time choice. Sometimes we kind of yeah. act like it is, but it's a, a repeated choice, a repeated hmm. conversation that uh, we're invited to right out of the opening blocks, which I love. Yeah, that's so helpful. You put words to one of the strange things about Psalm 1. Uh, I hadn't quite accessed it as simply as you had, that it's not a prayer because you kind of dive into the Psalms and that's what you're intuitively expecting. Right. But here, yeah, it's 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 sort of a call to worship almost for the whole Psalms, right? Like even this key idea of meditating on the law day and night. Well, one way to think about that is if we take law kind of broadly in terms of scripture is meditating on the Psalms. So right. here's the thing to do is to spend time in the things that we're setting up. But it can be if you're expecting a prayer in the opening Psalm, it is a little bit like, wait, what, what's happening here? <laughs> what's happening? But it is a pretty wonderful, as you say so astutely, it's a pretty wonderful invitation, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this idea totally. to meditate, I think it's a Hebrew word, hagah, which means to chew mm. on or gnaw, gnaw on. So if you think of a dog chewing on a bone, that's the image of people chewing on the Psalms, which makes sense to me more and more now that I'm a little bit old in that direction. <laughs> At, over time, you start to realize, oh, there are layers to the whole Bible that you don't get on the first pass. Yeah. There are especially layers to the Psalms and this invitation to Haggah, to gnaw on them, to chew on them, to meditate on them, to uh, wrestle with them for your whole life in some ways is a pretty good orientation in Psalm 1. You're saying that it's not something we just do in 20 minutes and uh, <laughs> 20 minutes of podcast. I thought we kind of wrap this up for everyone. <laughs> one through 150 no. in 20 minutes or less. The ABCs of the Psalms were done. That's Thank right. you very much. We'll move on to the Old Testament minor prophets now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Mastering the Bible in you know, three weeks. Yeah, you know, uh, your earlier comment made me think of Irenaeus, one of my favorite people to quote, who was a disciple of Polycarp, who died at the stake, who was mm. a disciple of the Apostle John, who was a disciple of Jesus. So Irenaeus, of course, well, I say of course, but I like to quote, said, the Bible is like a bottomless lake, so shallow at the shores that a beginner can walk in, a child can walk in and be clear and understand things, but so deep that if you wrestle with it your entire life, you'll never get to the bottom. I like that a lot, mm -hmm. and I think that profoundly uh, frames the Psalms and really is a pretty good reflection of Psalm 1. You just keep making choices yeah. at the beginning, and you make choices all lifelong, right? Yeah, that's great. Well, moving on to our second question, and this is kind of an interesting one in a Psalm like Psalm 1. What do we learn about God from this Psalm, would you say? Well... Walter Brueggemann, one of my favorite commentators on the Psalms, talks about Psalms of orientation that are, this is the mm -hmm. way it's supposed to work. Psalms of disorientation, oops, life is not the way it's supposed to work. And then Psalms of reorientation, where you've been through a lot of trouble, deep trouble, maybe illness or sickness or a pandemic, let's say. And on the other side, you get reoriented. Psalm 1 in those simple frames would for sure be orientation. Here's how the world is supposed to work. You make good choices, you make wise choices, you repeat those good and wise choices, you do the best you can, you gnaw on the Word of God, and good things should happen. 
Now we know we've we've looked ahead in the book. We know it's not that simple. We know it's not one yeah. plus one equals two. Sometimes one plus one equals a half or point seven five three two or right. something like that. But it's going to orient us to the way it's supposed to work if the world was all the way it's supposed to be. So I think it it teaches us of a God of order. It teaches us of a God who mm. respects human choice, which is really pretty profound. Even allowing people to crucify your son, that's, that's someone who respects mm. human choice. And it is a God of invitation who keeps inviting us to the good life. Even though yeah. we've made a lot of detours, like today, if your life is really, really screwed up, if you've really made colossal mistakes, big ones, small ones, and they've all added up and you feel like you're in a pretty impossible to untangle mess, this psalm is like, no, start today and choose the good mm. life all over again. Uh, it's not too late to go down in that direction again. Uh, I love that. Instinctively, when I ask this question, I look to see what God is actively doing yeah. in the psalm, right? Like what verbs, and really there's only one verb in verse six, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. But even that feels a little bit passive, not that it is passive, but the Lord just isn't emphasized. But I think actually as I reflected more on the psalm, he's interwoven throughout everything. Right. In It's sort of like uh, he's so wound throughout, right? It's the law of the Lord that is the gift to the one who's meditating on it, who allows them to be like a tree planted by streams of water. And so to me, it's being invited into a way of living, right? To use your invitation language, where God and what he gives us, his wisdom and his direction are just interwoven throughout every part of our life in such a way that sometimes if we're not looking carefully, we might miss it easily. Right. But Oh, I love that, yeah, Matt. But... I love that. And and just to your point, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, the word Lord, it's not the generic God. It's not abstract mm. God. It's the God of covenant grace. It's the God of covenant love. So right at the beginning, it takes a few verses to get there, but right yeah. at the beginning is this invitation to know the God of covenant love, the God of a Hebrew word chesed, that stubborn, relentless, faithful, I'm going to stick with you through the mess of your life, love. And that's who we're going to get to know and continue to be invited to follow and love and to receive grace from. Yeah, that's great. So how does this psalm, this psalm of orientation, as Brueggemann might say, help us to pray, Kevin? I think it invites us to pray to the God who has our best in mind. So it invites us to pray to the God who will, as we find out in the New Testament all over again, just like we find out in the Old Testament, who will go to great lengths, who will go to almost any length to love us. And this is an invitation to the pray to the God who makes our lives have sense and gives our lives meaning and authenticates our choices and honors us as people. And it's a, a in prayer, there's delight in there and there's flourishing in there. So it's mm. inviting us to a life of I mean, this image of a tree in Israel, there weren't forests, there weren't really redwood forests, there weren't lovely English, British gardens. It was a lot like desert California at the end of a summer or Arizona. Mm -hmm. And then if you saw a tree that was flourishing, you might build a house there, you might set your yeah, tents yeah. there. And so this image of someone flourishing will be repeated in the Psalms. I think about Psalm 112. Psalm 111 is about God and his righteousness and his qualities. And then Psalm 112 is about how humans can reflect all those great qualities of God in 111. Well, Psalm 1 sets us in that direction. It says, wouldn't you like to be this kind of person? Wouldn't you like to flourish? And wouldn't you like to have your children and godchildren and grandchildren and neighbors flourish? Uh, what about going in a direction? What about praying in a direction where that becomes real? So mm -hmm. it, it's... 
it's kind of a fun psalm to pray besides these great words like haga and gnawing you've got these <laughs> yeah, great right. images and then this the alternative of course you can choose to pray or not to pray but the alternative is you become weightless you become mm. trivial you say things and no one is interested. You may even shout things or perform things on a huge stage, but you become a lightweight in the deepest, ah. truest sense of that word, right? So it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite, quite the contrast. Sort, sort of cotton candy is what came into yeah, mind. Yeah, there you go. Sort of ephemeral, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was struck by kind of the, to use that invitation word again, there's sort of an invitation to a single-mindedness. Yeah. To me, that I think we see in this psalm. And I think of sort of, you know, James will talk about the double-minded man, but we're even, as we record, going through a series on Philippians. And the Apostle Paul in Philippians, he's calling the people, right, to this single-minded orientation. Like chapter 3, this is where he says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, one thing I do, right, forgetting what is behind and straying toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And this psalm strikes me as it. One prayer that could flow out of it is, Lord, help me be single-minded right. in, in this kind of flourishing path when you sort of have these two paths that are laid out, which is so typical of what the Bible I is love... kind of constantly saying. There's two paths, but help me be single-minded. I love that, Matt. I love the connection to Philippians. You can easily imagine that Paul, the ex-Pharisee, who regales us with his reluctant resume giving, mm -hmm. did know this psalm and knew the gist of it, and that informed in clear and probably subtle, unconscious ways his description. You can even just accent that a little bit more with Jesus in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. He's going to say, you can plant your, you can build a house on the sand or you can build a house on the rock. Here's these two choices again. You can flourish yeah. or you can waste your life, literally. Yeah. Yeah. I find, you know, that prayer pushes on me in some ways because faithfulness is simple, right? And it might be that you can do five or six things faithfully, but that, that the way that you do it, there is this path or there is this path. Right. And as you said, we get further in the book and we recognize that there's complexity and life has all kinds of nuance and one plus one doesn't always equal two. <laughs> <laughs> but I find a deep reassurance in the simplicity of grace and the way that we live into that. And sometimes I think it's helpful to fall back on that when the world can feel totally overwhelming, not in a naive way, but in sort of a grounding way if that makes sense. And Psalm oh, 1, I, I think, kind of helps helps me do that. I, I love that image of being grounded. It's our orientation. It goes back to that image of the two pillars, Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, saying this is the good life. This is the way of flourishing. And even when the world is upside down, even when there's a global pandemic, you can trust this psalm. You can trust that mm -hmm. over time, good will come from the choices you make, from the uh, earnest, honest following Jesus uh, that yeah. you can do. Yeah. Amen to that. Kevin, thanks. Thanks for spending some time with Psalm 1. I I love, you know, it's like we sit down. I've got some notes for a conversation. I throw some questions at you. Suddenly Irenaeus is in the conversation. <laughs> Athanasius is in the conversation. We got Brueggemann just at the at the tip of his tongue, people. At the tip of his tongue. This is pretty it's good, wonderful. Matt. Your company is Brueggemann. It's Athanasius. <laughs> it's, it's all those greats. What's next? Well, I think the hierarchy is very clear <laughs> when we're putting me in any kind of conversation like that. But I appreciate, Kevin, you joining us for this. It's a delight, Matt, and I'm really excited about this project. Yeah, me too. Well, friends, as Irenaeus might say, 
go out and pray the bottomless lake that is the Psalms. <laughs>